Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Finding rental property insurance has been a headache for the past few years. You know the feeling. You're scrambling, calling 20 different insurance agencies in a dozen different cities, struggling to protect your portfolio at the right cost. But I'm going to tell you a little secret that'll change everything. Veteran investors don't go through the everyday insurance companies. They just use NREG. NREG, that's N-R-E-I-G, provides insurance solely for real estate investors. They've built the largest insurance program in the country for residential tenant-occupied, vacant, and renovation properties. The best part? You can put all your properties on one insurance schedule and one monthly bill. And you can add, change, or remove properties without having to cancel one policy and purchase another. They insure properties from single-family rentals, up to 20-unit multifamily dwellings, vacation rentals, mobile homes, condos, and more. Trade catchy jingles for cash flow with insurance made for investors. Visit nreg.com slash bppod to request a proposal. N-R-E-I-G dot com slash B-P-P-O-D. Take a second and imagine this. Immediate cash flow, above average rent, built-in equity, and a foolproof exit plan. No, it's not 2012 again. This is just what it's like to invest with Integra Development Group. They've simplified the real estate investing process so everyone can invest. With their new construction single-family rent-to-own homes, you'll get aggressively priced brand new properties that have tenants in place now in one of the fastest-growing states in America, Florida. Here's how IDG's rent-to-own strategy works. You get exclusive access to inventory with aggressive pricing thanks to IDG's builder-partner relationships. Then, invest and collect immediate cash flow with tenants already in place at or very close to closing. With the demand for new builds, your tenants pay above market rent, so you rake in more cash flow. And you'll get built-in equity and appreciation with an already agreed-to purchase price at year three, helping the tenants become homeowners while you build wealth. That's investing simplified. So secure your next investment property today with Integra Development Group at IntegraDG.com. That's IntegraDG.com to start investing today. This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 154. But I think that's the beauty of real estate, right? It, it is, I, I couldn't sell it, but I have other strategies, uh, other exits uh, to it. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, 
Mr. Brandon Turner, and a very Merry Christmas to you, Mr. Turner. Merry Christmas to you too, Mr. Josh Dorkin. How you doing? And, how, and how, happy Hanukkah. Oh, so that's, I, that's I really remember. Nice. But I know you're a little, past, little I know, you know, no, belated, you know. belated, belated, but you know, right. in, in my own defense, it is currently several weeks before Christmas that we're recording this. So Hanukkah has not actually begun yet. Am I correct? Wow. Am I, do, am whatever, I wrong? do whatever you can to, <laughs> d- to dig yourself out. Dang it. This is our third or fourth take of this and you know, we can't get it right. So I just become uh, more racist every time. We do this. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, Hey everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, we're really excited to have you here uh, today. We've got a really cool show and we're going to get to it in just a minute. Before we do, let's get to today's quick tip, tip, quick tip. Today's quick tip is you guys, it's the holidays. Take a day off. Enjoy the day with your family. And if you're listening to this when it's not the holidays, I don't know, take the day off today. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good quick tip. We we all got to take some kind of time off. I'm guilty of never doing it. So maybe I'll listen and actually follow my own direction. I know. I, I heard, I heard a, um, a keynote speech this summer. It was by a guy named Grant Baldwin. And, uh, Grant was talking about, like actually schedule time off for like you to take time off. Like don't just assume I'm going to take some time off in the future. I need to have time off. He's like, go to your calendar right now, mark a big X and say, I'm not doing anything that day. And then when somebody calls you up and says, Hey, Hey, can we hang out on Saturday? Be like, no, I can't. They're going to be like, well, what are you doing? Oh, I'm not doing anything. And they're like, well, can oh, we I've hang out? No, whatever I'm, it is. Yeah. I'm not doing yeah. anything. Right. Yeah. I mean, like his point was, yeah, make time in your schedule to not do anything, uh, to, you know, yeah. just be with your family or even by yourself and just, uh, you know, not work. So that's a good quick tip, Josh. Way to think on your feet. Yeah. There you go. There you go. On my toes, on my toes. Well, all right, guys, today we've got a great real estate investor to chat with. Before I move forward, really, really quickly, we want to thank everybody, everybody for leaving us ratings and reviews. This is the last show of 2015 and we're super excited. All right. Today's guest is Bob Couture. No, he's not related to the MMA fighter. Or Juicy. But, uh, or, or his good friend, Juicy. <laughs> <laughs> Bob is a is a real estate investor living in Southern California and investing in Massachusetts. And uh, Bob's got some really cool processes that he uses to to actually do that. He doesn't do any kind of turnkey stuff, but he, but he's actually built a system that works for him. It's great, and perhaps it'll work for you. Uh, so pay attention and uh, let's bring on Bob. Welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you here. Great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. It should be fun today. Uh, you are our most bald guest we've had yet. So that's exciting. <laughs> All right. <laughs> wow. Way to, way to, way to just start there. You know, I got, I got to start there with the, uh, yeah, you, you're uh, also probably the most fit. I don't know. You look like you could take me in a, in a fight. Yeah. I, I might have to like- now after that call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So his address is. <laughs> so Bob, how's it going? Yeah. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Yourself? Both of you. All well, all well on the, where are you, in, uh, in Washington and in, in Denver? That is correct. All yes, well sir. here, yeah. The uh, yeah. winter and where are you? And- where are you located? Oh, stop talking, Brandon. Where are you located? <laughs> I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, nice. Nice. What part? Hermosa Beach. Really? Oh, Hermosa's awesome. Yeah, nice. So is that is that where you do your real estate? No, I, I invest in the greater Springfield area of Massachusetts. Okay. Really? So let's let's talk about that. You're are are you from Mass or or are you yeah? How did how did all that come about? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm originally from West Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, moved out to California after college. But then uh, when I decided to get into the, the real estate piece, when I looked around and what I could do in Los Angeles with the, the money I had, I said, well, I know Massachusetts. I had a, a good support network there. I, I grew up uh, renovating houses and doing uh, painting, interior, exterior painting with my dad uh, as a kid. And he was he was looking for some projects to do. So that's how it kind of all got started back there. Saw what I had and where I could do it. And I understood Massachusetts. I understood that area. So I figured I'd, uh, I'd go there and invest. There you go. Can you let us know a little bit about who you are? I mean, like, what do you do? What's your investing strategy? So uh, people have an idea of what you're doing from a long distance. Yeah, sure. I'm the, I'm half of SNC Home Buyer. So my other half, uh, my, the, the, my partner is uh, Justin Simmons. So he's, uh, he's the boots on the ground. So he lives okay. in, in, in that area. Uh, he has his construction supervisor's license. He manages the projects, uh, gets the rehab numbers. Here at, out in sunny California, I, I, I burn up the phone and, and, uh, get, get the, get him, fill up his calendar, get, uh, some, some leads there. We do a lot of direct mail. Uh, we also, uh, network with a, a lot of agents. So I try to get, a get them in front of a lot of houses and then I'll do the negotiation. So my piece of it is the, the acquisitions and dispositions part. So, okay. uh, uh, bringing that, bringing those deals to the table and then, and going from there. Okay, cool. Let's take it back to the beginning. You had, you had talked about, you grew up renovating houses and doing painting and stuff with your dad. Was he a contractor? Painting contractor. Yeah. And then, uh, and then went on to do some remodeling. Okay. So you, you were kind of raised up through this culture. What, what kind of triggered it for you? Like, Hey, I want to start doing this. I want to get into the business. I kind of joked that I was the last one to know that I was supposed to get into real estate. Uh, the, the, uh, I grew up in, 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 in that industry on, on the contractor side. And I think my father just expected me to kind of take on that business, but I went off to college, went on to do other things, worked in corporate America, did um, some time with the military. And then once I, I came back from a deployment, went back to a nine to five job and, uh, I just couldn't find myself. And I was trying to figure out what, what do I want to do with my life? And my wife kept telling me real estate, her family's uh, in real estate, commercial real estate. And then I thought when they said get into real estate, be it, it was being an agent. And that didn't seem very appealing to me. And then this, this world of real estate investing opened up and it's like, there it is. That's so how cool. did that happen? Tell us about the, the beginnings. That was, uh, I came back from a deployment from Afghanistan. I went back to my job at an aerospace and defense company. It was about six months into it. And I was like, I, I can't, uh, this isn't, this is not for me. Uh, this wasn't what I wanted to do, uh, anymore. And, and, I was talking to my father and he's like, it was winter. So things are usually slow. He's like, well, let's do a project together. Let's look at a, you know, find, find a house and do something like that. It's something he always wanted to do. And, and then it was born from there. Nice. So what was that first project? What was the first deal? It was a uh, uh, colonial in Springfield, Mass. It was, uh, this house was, I think we got it for 120, 125, put Bought another 25 into it and then tried to sell it at the uh, 180, 190 mark. And it sat on the market and sat on the market and sat on the market and, uh, and it never sold. I had that gone on to two other projects. Uh, it, you know, we started it too high and, and then, uh, I became an accidental landlord from, from there. I decided, well, uh, I'm not going to sell it for a loss. I think I can try to make it a rental and, and we went from there. Beautiful house and everything, but, uh, I learned some good lessons out of that one. Did you ultimately sell that property or do you have it in your no. portfolio? No, it's probably one of my best producing um, uh, rentals right now. 
Oh, right on. All right. So, so you, you get in, you think you're going to flip this house and you, you get stuck with it, but you were able to, to hold on obviously and, and reap uh, the benefits of the property long-term. Uh, you, you said you did two projects thereafter. Uh, were those flips and were they successful or what happened with those? Uh, no, went on to another one uh, and rehab that one. Uh, and again, uh, that one wasn't selling. And then we were coming into the winter. And so well, am I going to hold it for another couple of months or uh, get a renter in there? And so I was kind of doing a dual strategy, had it for sale and trying to do for rent and, and take whatever came first. Yep. Yeah. So on the pricing, obviously you got the pricing wrong in the first one. Uh, sounds like you got it wrong on the second one. Um, I'm assuming at some point in time you, you realize, hey, I, I can't keep overpricing it or my comps are screwed or something's wrong here. Like, what am I doing wrong? What was, what was this like aha moment that, you know, your pricing wasn't exactly correct? Well, on the first one was, uh, I was taking the advice of the, the real estate agent and where, where I knew, I knew better, but, when I could be leaving twenty or thirty thousand dollars on the table, I'm like, "Well, that's the expert. I'm going to go with that." The the second one, um, that was about. I thought I had the price right. It's just it was not the right neighborhood for it. So I think comps wise, it was great. It was just the type of house, and and so I learned from that. It was a sub one thousand square foot house, and just that was just it's not uh, not ideal. Great rental, but uh, yeah, I, I screwed up on that one, and then. I started becoming more and more conservative on on those on, yeah. on my pricing on my ARV. Yeah. So in, in a way, what you kind of—I mean, you kind of became an accidental landlord, but you figured that stuff out. A lot of people I know they try to flip houses, especially if they don't sell. I mean, I know people that just give up. They just say, you know, I'm done. You know, I, I quit. I like the fact that you said, you know what, I'm going to figure this out. We'll make it a rental. Maybe we'll sell it someday in the future. I mean, do you have plans for selling it when the market is better? I mean, the market's probably better now than it was then. Am I right? And how long are you going to hold that property for? Uh, well, I've used both of those properties to put into a, um, a blanket loan to be able to invest in others. And okay. so, so I'll have these for, for, uh, about five years. Okay. Uh, or I could go and sell them, but there, there's some penalties with that. But I think that's the beauty of real estate, right? It, it is, I, I couldn't sell it, but I have other strategies, uh, other exits, uh, to it where if it was a stock, it's either sell it or hold and, and, and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I love that your, you know, you, your mind thinks that way. That's cool. I think that, you know, that's one of the traits that I think is most important for a new investor is just that being able to figure it out. I mean, we talked about that last week or the week before on the podcast here, but just that trait of figuring it out when, when you're not sure what to do. So, you know, kudos to you on that. So your first few deals were, were those failed flips. I'm assuming you eventually got better at flipping. Am I right? No, no, we're still doing that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so why did we book you on the show? <laughs> so tell us about your, your first successful flip. That happened to be the one that I did not want to flip at all. I, I got this house. I was doing uh, another one at, at the Cape. So that's on the other side of the, at the very end of the, the state. So I was kind of back and forth um, in, in Massachusetts. I'm bouncing from Western Mass to Eastern Mass. And then I, I get this house from uh, a website lead, and uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to flip it. I was trying to wholesale it, and and then you know, no no one was biting. It wasn't a great wholesale de- deal, but it would. You know, there was some room to do do some work on it. And this is how this is a house where I learned about that you don't have to don't over rehab it. 
I did the, the, the least amount to it and it was uh, one offer, one sale. It was the quickest thing and it was, it was the best one to date. And the great thing that, uh, out of this too, and, and you know, great things happen from, from some bad experiences. This seemed to be like a really bad deal going in and it ended up being a great flip and I got to meet my business partner because uh, I tried wholesaling him, him the deal and then uh, we got to talking and just, you know, found out that we we're both like-minded guys and then, uh, and then realized we were the pieces uh, of each other's business that were, that were missing. That's cool. That's cool. So how many flips have you done total now with, the, uh, with your partner? Uh, with my partner, we're in our 12th one together. And then each of us did five, five each before uh, partnering up. Okay. Okay. So you, you're figuring the stuff out. That's cool. Uh, I want, I want to dive a little bit into this idea of finding the deals before we go too much farther. And, you know, we'll talk about finding, financing, all that. But, uh, you know, you mentioned direct mail and we haven't talked about that on the show here in a while. It's been, you know, a lot of episodes since we talked about that. So can we dive into your direct mail business a little bit, especially because the fact that you live across the country from where you're actually doing the work. So it shows that people who are living in LA or San Francisco or whatever could potentially partner with somebody in another area that does the boots on the ground work. Hold, hold on b- sure. before, and before you go into that, um, Bob, I'm, I'm just curious if you didn't have that, that personal knowledge of Western mass yourself, would you feel comfortable investing there with your partner or not? Uh, no. No, not not on the the offset um, because okay. when we first partnered up, we didn't know each other. Uh, so, yeah. um, I mean, I rely on him a, a great deal about his knowledge of that area. Um, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's that relationship has taken a while, and and, and yeah. that trust is developing. So, yeah. no, I, I'd probably have a lot of a lot of trouble with that. Okay, right on, right on. Yeah, and and so that's something that would just come over time. And for for I guess the the real quick question is, if you're looking to you know, for the listeners, you know, I, I don't want to lead people to, to think like, Hey, you just need to find a partner who's an expert in an area and get into bed with them. Uh, because you, you know, it's kind of hard. There's like a romance that comes before getting into bed with people. So, you know, I, I guess my personal belief is you should not just jump into bed with somebody uh, and expect them to be the expert, you have to feel them out. Make sure you kind of feel comfortable with the area and and with them before you do that. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And, and I'll add on to. Um, I still go back. To, I go to Massachusetts once a month. Uh, one to I, I think it's important to to be on the ground there uh, to, uh, to visit with my partner. Also to network with our our um, our bankers, our, our private lenders, and and you know it's not it shouldn't just be that guy out in California. I, I want to be on the ground and and meet the contractors too and, and yeah. our A team and. Um, and so I think that part is really important. The beauty of it for me is my family is over there. So I, I get to go back for my business and I get to, you know, be with my parents and my sisters yeah. and, and visit everyone. So I try to create my lifestyle around, around this, this business. And so right it's worked out great. That's cool. Cool. That's cool. All right. All right. Let's get to the, to the direct mail stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I just want to know, I mean, like, what are you doing for direct mail? What it, what does it look like? I mean, what kind of letters are you sending out? Is it postcards? I mean, what, what kind of, what's the specifics look like? Yeah, now we, we're, uh, it's much more branded, uh, on, on our, our mail campaign. Um, uh, I think if you had on, uh, uh, in the past, Tucker Merrihue, and he's got the, like, the Deal Finders Academy. And so we've kind of styled it after some of, some of those things. Uh, we've done some of our own. We've, we've tested a lot of different things from, from postcards to branded mail to the yellow letters. And, uh, we're continuing to, to, 
test and measure those things to see what what works out. Um, I find the branded pieces are, are better for us um, because the, the phone may not ring as much, but when they do, we're on the same sheet of music. Okay. Uh, you know, we, we know uh, they know that I'm a, a home buying company and I want to buy their house. It's not Bob Couture wants to move his family into your house and, mm-hmm. and trying to offer you something. And uh, so so I think that, that that's been working out for us. So you're not sending them a piece of yellow lined paper that just says, you know, I wants to buy your houses or something like that. You know, it's, you're actually sending like something nicer, like a letter. Yeah, absolutely. Handwritten letter. Um, and then and we'll go through some different sequences. We'll, we'll send out a postcard just in case that if that gets returned to sender, that's, it's a less expensive for us. And Ooh, then, that's a good tip. Yeah. Then the, uh, the second one will be a handwritten letter. Um, you know, and, and then, uh, and then we kind of move on from there. It might be a printed letter as we go through. And then the last touch might be a, a postcard as well. I don't think, I don't know. I don't know if it just never occurred to me, but that's a fantastic tip. Like, I feel like it was just kind of like casual for you, but like, I don't know that, like, I never heard that before. Send out postcards first and then you get to see who's going to be undeliverable and then you don't have to send to them the letters again. I, I don't know. I like that idea a lot. I just realized that it, like about a week or two ago, as we we're trying to figure out 2016 and doing the plan. And uh, so that, that just came to me just recently. So what yeah, do you, what cool. do you put in, what do you put in the letter? Well, but forget what do you put in the letters? Who do you market to? Who are you actually targeting with your campaigns? A, a lot of driving for dollar uh, leads, uh, and we'll, we'll also target uh, uh, absentee owners. Uh, I know that that's a, a very popular one, so we got most of our competition there. How, how do you mail driving for dollars people? I don't fully understand. Um, are you driving and then finding them and then mailing them or are you finding some list of, so, we'll, uh, we have, uh, some bird dogs, uh, some interns, uh, that are also, that are driving, uh, and then, and then we'll, we'll mail those out. So they'll, they'll identify houses in some form of distress, uh, take those addresses down. They'll, they'll do some research on the, uh, uh on the owner and the, the mailing address. And then we handle the, the mailing from here. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Bob, I have a question about this whole, I want to, I want to dive into the topic of having other people do your driving for dollars. Cause we talk a lot about driving for dollars. I mean, it's one of my favorite strategies and you know, but it takes time to do that. Obviously if I'm going to go get in my car, that's not very scalable. I can't be, you know, analyzing deals if I'm driving for dollars. I can't be doing a lot of things if I'm analyzing or if I'm driving for dollars. So you mentioned you have other people doing this for you. How does that work? You know, do you pay them to do that? Or do they get a commission and do they wholesale it to you or how does that all work? So we have a couple set up in a couple different tiers. One is it's not paid by the hour. It's uh, we're kind of exchanging services. So one is they're driving for dollars, creating that that list that we're mailing out. So it doesn't cost them anything other than their their time and their gas and all that. And then in return, we're offering to take them on to uh, uh, walkthroughs on properties and showing them rehab costs of that. So they'll walk through with my partner Justin. He'll kind of take them through that piece because that's the part where we're finding newbies or new wholesalers don't understand those those construction costs or those yep. rehab costs so that we think is a, is a really good trade-off and then if that lead comes in then there's a flat fee of if i'm negotiating the sale then we'll give them a, a referral fee or if it comes in and they feel like they're ready to kind of take on that negotiation then they tell me what they want and they'll wholesale it back so we you know we have the marketing piece in place and then when it comes in they decide which way they want to go are they ready to kind of take on that negotiation if so they they create their own their own fee if not then uh then there's a flat referral fee 
That's cool. I, I love that for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, it obviously frees up your time, so you don't have to be out there driving for dollars. And it, the, all those people that, I mean, every day I get an email, from, I mean, emails from people, right, that are like, how do I get started in real estate? How do I, how do I know what this stuff is? How do I find a mentor? How do I do all these things? Like, it's such a good way for them to be able to learn as well. So it's like such a perfect, I guess, I know you call it partnership or whatever, or like symbiotic relationship or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I, I don't know. I think that's fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and that's, is that your like primary way do you think you're finding deals or is it more from the, the list that you're buying or, or what would you say? Uh, I think on, on that, the, uh, on the driving for dollars, it, it's taken a while. So okay. it's not the, it's not the primary or our mailing is not the primary. Uh, it's about a third of where our deals are coming from. Okay. Uh, and then the driving for dollars piece is probably half of, half of that, uh, as well. Okay. Okay. And then what, it, what else is the MLS is getting stuff with agents still or? Where would the rest of them come from? Oh, for sure. It's uh, MLS is a piece, but specifically on the MLS, it's the REOs and, and short sales. Uh, and then and then our network is, is probably the other third. Uh, referrals or um, with, with attorneys or agents, uh, uh, things like that. Okay, great. Right on. And, and you're, a, you're a real estate agent, right? I do have my license. So use it to sell our properties. Got it. Got it. Do you find that helpful? Do you recommend other people do that? To get their license? I, I think absolutely. For us, it, it works out great. One, it is the, the power of the MLS and, and ha- having access to that. So we don't have to kind of wait around for an agent uh, to, to, to view a property. Um, so yeah, it works out great. And also it, it helps us too on, on the, the back end, on the, the disposition of the property, that sale, uh, to keep a little bit of that, that commission in-house too. Okay. So here's a question about that driving for dollars. I know we're jumping all over the place a little bit, but going back to the the people that are working with you, if somebody's listening to this show right now and they're new and they're a newbie and they want to do that kind of a job for somebody, they want to get out there and meet a guy like you, how should they approach somebody like you? How how are you going to take them seriously and actually want to help them find you deals? You know, how, how do you, how do you think they should approach you? Well, I think it's, um, uh, our, our very first one was uh, uh, Matt Scott, and, he, and Matt was really good about, hey, I want to take you out for coffee, learn a little bit about the business. I want, and he offered, I, I want to intern, I want to learn, what can I do for your business to help you? And that he's kind of really kind of the catalyst to that whole internship program, and he's he's still with us and kind of growing in, in, in as our business grows too. So that, that's been really great. That's a, an exciting story, but the. Uh, for others, I, we've probably gone through about 20, 30 people that said that they wanted to do this. And then when you, yep. they actually have to go out and drive or do something, that they just fall off the face of the earth. Yep. And it's like, oh, this doesn't just happen or you're just not going to pay me to go and learn uh, in this industry. Um, so we've got a couple really quality folks now that are really tr- trying to learn and, and grow their business and understand. But I think it, it starts off with that, but knowing that you've, you've got to give uh, a little bit. And um, I think we might be at a point where we're going to ask for X amount of leads before we start investing some some other time. And it sounds like a, a little cold, but when you go through about 20 or 30 people that want to uh, want to learn and then they fall off the face of the earth and you're spending this time uh, with, with them, it's tough. I want to give back. We want to give back. We started our the Real Estate Investing Association to give back, but uh, there's only so many hours in the day. And, and then you, you got to filter through those that are serious and those that are not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so true. So, of the twenty or thirty, what? How many actually ended up coming through and and doing what they said they were going to do? Uh, three. Wow. Yeah. Well, ten percent. 
I did a webinar last night and I said this exact thing. I said, out of nine, out of everyone here, there's like, I don't know, there's like a thousand people there. I said, out of a thousand people here, 90% of you will never take action on anything that we're talking about. You'll never buy a property. You'll never get out there. You're going to be too afraid. I was like, 10% of you will actually do anything. I find it on bigger pockets. I find it everywhere you go. It's like 10% of people actually do stuff. Even listen to this podcast. I bet 90% of people here are not going to invest in real estate. You know, I, I hope to change that. I hope it's, you know, eight, you know, 90% do, but you know, that's just the fact that most people let fear or whatever it is, stop them from actually taking action. So, you know, listen There's- to Bob here. There's yeah. something else that this was kind of an informal kind of uh, research on it, but I started pulling some folks uh, that, that got into real estate investing and actually did a deal. And I, I asked them to kind of think back, how long ago was it before you decided you were going to do this then, then when you took action? And almost all of them, it was about a year. So if I find someone that just said, I just started, I decided, I think I'm going to start telling them, let me know how you things go in six months or yeah, a year yeah. and I can help you from there. And if they're, they're still around at that point I'll, and I'll help them get to wherever they want to go. Yep. I'll, um, but um, I think the year mark is it. I think it takes that year to uh, overcome that fear for whatever reason or get the, the ducks in a row to be able to move on. Yeah. So, so in terms of somebody who's serious, right? Okay. You're saying it's a year, but I, I don't buy that. No offense to you. I, I think that's, you know, I get that that's how it's worked out. But there's got to be some other signs that somebody's serious than they've been around or they've thought about it for a year. So are there other traits that these people have shown? Have they done something in that year? What, 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 what's going to happen in that time period? I don't think it's time alone, but what exactly has occurred for those users, those people in that time period that makes them any different than the other ones? Can, can you think of anything? Yeah, a plan. Those that said, I'm going to buy a property by this date and look, this property looks like this. This is how I'm going to pay for it or finance it. Those are the ones that you know are going to go. And then for us on the, the intern shot side, it's those that are actually are producing the driving for dollars. They have gone on to buy property, have gone on to do something else because they're interested in, in, in learning and, and, and getting there. But I think those that have that plan forward are, are, are the ones that are really interested and you learn pretty quick like so what what do you want to buy why are you interested in this uh, industry and when they're not too sure about that answer yet or if that's not clear it's going to take them a year for that picture to get clearer yeah so so what what's in that plan i mean it you you mentioned i think you used a different word but you mentioned criteria i i think you know the the types of properties they want to buy you know Mm. two bed two bath you know between x and y price yada yada what what else would somebody want to or need to have in in this plan that they're putting together? Their uh, support team, in terms of that, knowing that they have a, a maybe a, an attorney uh, that uh, in Massachusetts we use attorneys, not escrow agents. So uh, ha- having an attorney, so that that support team, uh, an agent, the attorney, their uh, contractors, uh, the. Uh, understanding the, their finances, what, what they want to buy and, and what, what that, that looks like. Oh, it, it's not, some say, I, I, I just want to buy, but then they're thinking of, well, I'll go into multifamily or I'll be a, a landlord or I want to flip. Uh, so understanding wh- which flavor of real estate investing, uh, are they, uh, are they looking for? Um, so I think those pieces go into the plan. What area, uh, I've had one guy who he was kind of bouncing back and forth from, from Boston area to the Western mass area. And it's like, you, uh, you got to pick one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. 
I like cool, that. Cool. Yeah. I mean, to go back to the year thing, I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about in that, you know, there's so many people that, you know, maybe want to, like, they tell me they take me out for coffee. I used to go to coffee with everybody who asked, like everybody. Cause I'd be like, yeah, sure. No problem. And out of all the people I've ever gone to coffee with, I can think of like, Two people who ever bought a property, uh, you know, and everybody else is still thinking about it or they're no longer in it anymore. And so I know what you're saying. Like, I kind of wanted to say, come back to me in a year. And if you're still interested, then I know you're serious because I'll, there's so many things in this life, right? That are exciting for a few weeks. I mean, for a while I wanted to do, you know, start this business or be part of this or join this MLM. I didn't want to join an MLM, but you know, like people are always want to join these like things for like, a few weeks or a month maybe, and then they get bored or they realize it's more work than they thought and they, they go on to something else. I want to, I won't, I don't want to like interact too deeply with people until after they're past the honeymoon phase, if that makes sense. Well, the shiny object yeah. portion. Yeah. So that makes perfect sense. All right. So, so you're doing direct mail, you're marketing these letters, you get the phone call and you're the one answering the phone. Uh, so I want to talk about this a little bit because, uh, cause I'm selfish and I'm, you know, going to pick your brain because I want to do this. So I'm working with actually funny, my little brother's moving out to the Boston area. And so we've talked about whether or not we want to work together on real estate. He might want to flip a house. And so I said, well, maybe we can work together. You know, I'm on the East coast or West coast. He's on the East. How do you guys work that? I mean, you answer phones, obviously does then do you do all the negotiation till the end? And then you send in your partner to go inspect the property or how does that work between the two of you? Uh, so I'm trying to get down to seeing what, what's the, the least amount that they're going to accept for the property, the, the homeowner and, and can, getting an understanding of what level of repair it may need. And then based on that, if, if we can find ourselves in the realm of, you know, 50 to 60, 70% of ARV, then it's about that. That's the right time to deploy him to go to that house and walk through. Now, sometimes people aren't going to give, uh, give that number. And if it's in a desirable area, he'll go out and, uh, so yeah, we really, I got to really try to filter that down, uh, to, to something that it seems like a good lead to send him out to, to those houses because of taking in quite a number of phone calls and he'd be out there all, all the time. And, and actually yeah. that was happening in the beginning. I said, you know, get a phone call. And before even really knowing where we are, go, go get the, the rehab numbers. And, uh, that, that was, uh, that wasn't working out so great. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, so what I want to do, you know, is have my brother probably answer phone calls and have the flip out in my area is probably what I ended up doing. And mm-hmm. as I was afraid of is he's going to get these phone calls from direct mail marketing and be calling me every day. Like, okay, go look at this property. Go look at this property. Go look at this one. And that would just drive me nuts. I don't have the time to go look at, you know, dozens of properties a day because I'm here hanging out with you guys on bigger pockets, right? So I need to simplify, like I need to make it the t- time make sense. So when you're on the phone with those people, do you tell them that you are, you know, you're across the country? Do you not let them, you know, not let them know that? Do you say your partner is going to come look at it? I mean, how's that work? So I have a, a, a Google voice number that is yeah. for, for that area. Uh, and then if it does come, come up, I, I'll let them know that I'm in Los Angeles. Uh, and there's often time I go back once a month. So I may be in town and be able to, to view, but then I always say the, the person that's going to come view the property is my partner. He's going to do the numbers and, and then I'll be calling you, calling you back. And people don't uh, ever put up a, any kind of weirdness about that at all. Like they never say, Oh, cause you know, you're building the trust with them and then your partner is going to actually kind of almost close the deal in a way. Right. Uh, do people have a problem with that ever? No, because he's he's going there really not to close. Well, he's there to build a rapport with them, uh, but get the 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 rehab numbers. Uh, I'll okay, be but closing that negotiation with them. And you just do that over the phone primarily. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, 
Nice. Very cool. Yeah, this is good. This is good. Cause like I said, I really want to do this stuff. And I know a lot of other people live in expensive areas and maybe that's a job that they can do if they have a brother or sister, cousin, aunt, whatever in an area that's more prime for investing. You know, this is a, a really good strategy. If you can find the right partner, like we talked about, not just anybody's going to do, but if you can find the right person to work with and you know, the area, I feel and you know, the area comfortable. Yeah. yeah. And can I give you one, one tip on, uh, on the mailing is Please. have that mailing mailing go out postmarked uh, somewhere locally. Oh, okay. So, so I, I had hired um, a mailing service and it was out of like out of Texas and every question came up is this is a scam It's coming out of Texas. You, you're from Massachusetts. So we're mailing everything out of Massachusetts now just to avoid that, that question. And then when I started to, I was selling, sending stuff from California. So, or if I'm calling from the California number, sometimes I make a, an error and I'll call from my, my cell phone and they're like, well, what's this Calif- California number? And you, you tell them, or, you know, that's, that's where I am, but it just, it's, it's something that you could avoid or, or you, you've, you've already built this layer of distrust when it's coming from somewhere else. And uh, you got to kind of peel away from that. Uh, if you're mailing it from that area, you, you won't have to deal with it at all. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that's that. Great. I love that advice. Like, I love it. So what, what are your, what do your letters say? I mean, what, you know, you don't have to give us the exact content, but you know, what's kind of the gist of what you're putting in there? You got the postcard, you know, what is the process and what is the flow of the content of the mailings? Sure. Uh, so that's just more of a, you know, we, we buy houses, we're looking to buy houses in your area. It could be a, you know, any level of uh, either from just some minor repairs to uh, a, you know a major renovation, uh, we'll buy the house for cash. Uh, we'll close quickly. A lot of the, the standard language, um, and then that we'll handle the co- closing costs. Uh, you won't have to deal with with uh, commissions and uh, agent stuff, but it's but it's a branded uh, as well. So it has SNC home buyers. They know they're buying from a, uh, a home buying company wants to buy from them, and we go from there. Okay. okay. And do you, do you happen to track your numbers precisely? And if you don't want to share, that's all right too. But like, you know, out of everybody who calls you, you know, how many of those do you end up actually going and looking at or, or approximately, or how many do you end up closing of those phone calls? Yeah, we are overall, and this is not just from the mailing, but it takes us about 30 offers to close on one house. Okay. Okay. That's uh. That's not, that's not like terrible. I mean, I like having those numbers because like my mind thinks like a funnel. You know, I like yeah. to think of how many offers can I, you know, or how many deals can I look at on my desk? How many can I analyze of those? Of those I analyze, how many can I make an offer on? Of those I offer on, how many will get accepted? And of those I get accepted, how many will get closed, you know, at the end of the day? And so it works. And I was going to ask what, the, what that is. So you, you said of, of those offers, right? So you make, you make 30 offers. How many of those are you actually hearing back? Are you getting a response to how many are actually going into negotiation to lead to that actual one final deal? That's, that's a tough one because I would say about a, a third where we get into the negotiations. A lot, uh, about uh, 20 of those will get ignored. Um, and, uh, you know, 10 we get into negotiation. And then others we, we're finding like, you know, uh, six months or a year later, they're like, hey, I still got that offer from you. Is uh, you, you still want to talk? Okay. Yeah. So people come back and, and, you know, no doesn't necessarily mean no forever. It could just mean, momentarily. So what do you say? I mean, when you're making an offer and this is something that I I'll admit that I'm not very good at, I feel weird making offers. You know, I've been doing this for a long time, but I still am not very good at it. I feel like, so what do you say when you make an offer? Do you, do you tell them, Hey, I'm going to fax something over, email something over, mail something over, or do you just tell them right on the phone, you know, I'll give you $50,000. How's that sound? Like what, what's your process look like? 
it's uh, it's a little both. Uh, so when I come back onto the phone with them, we start to kind of feel them out for for what what the offer is. We're almost kind of talking about what what that offer would be, and then um, and then. I already know what that, that number is going to be. If, if, if it, if it works, then I say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to send you, I'm going to email you this offer right now. Even, and even if it doesn't work, I'll, I'll, uh, if that number doesn't work for them, I'll still send them that offer, uh, and say, Hey, keep, keep it around. Keep us as a plan B, uh, and, um, or I'll, I'll follow up with you in a couple months and see if things change. Okay, cool. So you, you typically, you're kind of doing over the phone, but you're also emailing them the offer. Do you ask for their email address somewhere in that process? I'm assuming then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and if I don't get that or if they don't have one, I'll, I'll put it in postal mail. Okay. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. I'm proud to offer premium wireless for just $15 a month. And I'm proud that we have thousands of five-star reviews from customers like Dan D in New York who writes, I am satisfied customer. How can this only be 15 bucks? He wrote it in all caps. I needed you to feel it like he feels it. I hope I did that justice, Dan. And I hope that you try Mint too at mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 for three months required. New subscribers only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com. Buy low, sell high. Buy low, sell high. It's a simple concept, right? But not necessarily an easy concept. Right now, high interest rates have crushed the real estate market. Prices are falling and properties are available at a discount which means Fundrise believes that now is the time to expand the Fundrise Flagship Fund's billion-dollar real estate portfolio. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in minutes by visiting Fundrise.com pockets. Fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make your moves count. Bought a rental? That's a move. Made some serious stock gains? That's a move. Quit your job to go full-time on your side hustle? That's a move. Relocated for a fresh start? Okay, that's literally a move. Your moves made a big difference in your life last year. Now it's time to make the most of your moves. Whether you moved on from a job, made moves in your own business, did some side hustling, or house flipped your way to financial freedom, TurboTax experts make all your moves count getting you every credit and deduction that you deserve, filing with 100% accuracy, and getting your max refund guaranteed. Switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. TurboTax will make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Okay. Very cool. All right. So moving on from, moving on from that area, let's talk about, let's talk about the deals themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, let's talk about like you're, you get the deal, you buy the deal. First of all, how do you finance it? Okay, so we've done it a, a number of different ways. So we, we were really learning out uh, through this year because uh, our partnership started December last year. So we're okay. a year in, and so we we're trying to kind of merge these two companies in two different ways of doing business in, in, into one. So uh, one way of financing is we had cash. We were buying houses with cash, and then and then uh, uh, trying to refinance with, with the bank because we couldn't really find the bank to be there in time to be able to close. So uh, we'd have to uh, close twice and, and, and get refinanced. And we were having some trouble with with bank financing too. It was just sure. taking such a long time. You know, sixty days, ninety days. We were getting through. We got through. Two two flips by the time the bank came back on the first one, we're like, you're gonna have to change the address. <laughs> <laughs> this one, we're we're three houses in. Um, 
So, so we've been working out the relationship with the, with the banks. So, so that was uh, one way. Um, and then another was uh, crowdfunding. Uh, so we use that, and that's been that's been really good. We've done two deals uh, using crowdfunding, uh, and that's great. That gives us a really good confidence that someone's going to be there if the bank's not there, or if, if we don't have the cash at the time, and we know if it's a good deal or not. Because if they if they don't fund it, then then it wasn't really that that great of a deal. Can we talk about that for a little bit? Because we've never had a guest on who's used crowdfunding. I don't think anyway. Maybe I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think so. So first of all, for people who don't who don't know what that is, what do you mean by you use crowdfunding? Well, the, the, the funding source that I use is a fund that flip and okay. it was a crowdfunding is it was an online, you know, you, you just go online, request your criteria. They fund the, the deal, but then they go back out to accredited investors that backfill that funding. If, if that made any sense. Yeah. Uh, say that again. Okay. So they, they, they'll fund the deal. So okay. I, we need, we need 150,000. So that crowdfunding source will fund the deal and then they go back to their investors to backfill that fund. Ah, ah I get it. Okay. So, well, that's, so it's a little different than like the portals where you put a deal in and then, you know, the accredited investors can come in and, you know, they see it and they decide if they want to put up X amount of dollars to be a part of it. I mean, this is all managed by, uh, the, the, this fund, the flip guys. Right. Uh, if, if I had to wait for the other accredited investors to go in, we never know when, when that'll happen. So yeah. it could be a week. It could be a month. Um, so, so yeah, they, they'll fund it up front and then, and then they make that offer back out to the, the investors. And then it'll, you can watch it get, you know, funded by the accredited investors. Hey, you're at 50% funding. You're at a hundred, but that didn't really, I mean, it matters in the, in the long run, but for me to get my deal and get working, I've already got the money to go and, and go do that. That's cool. So, the, oh, so, okay. So they'll look at it, the, the company themselves, they'll vet the deal and they'll say, okay, this is a good deal. We're going to, we're going to finance you. They go out, they find other people to, as you called it, backfill um, or give them the money that they spent to, to finance the deal to you. Presumably, they come up with some kind of rate on that and uh, that's it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I know, I'd not heard of that strategy. Yeah, so. I hadn't either. So how does that compare with like hard money? If you're going to go with a hard money lender who's charging, let's say, I don't know, 12, you know, 12% interest, 13, 14% interest. How is that? You don't have to tell us necessarily. I don't know if you can tell us exactly what interest you got, but like, how does that typically compare? To me, I, I found it like the, the Goldilocks of funding because on the hard money side, it was fast, but very expensive. So yep. uh, where we were, it was, they're talking 15, 16% with, with points. On the bank side, we're at like 5%, but it's taking 60, 90 days. So, you know, uh, good rates, but really slow. They are at um, uh, around 12% with uh, three points and I'm gonna get the money in, in about a week. So it was yeah. just in the sweet spot for us. Definitely help us keep the momentum going. And uh, uh, yeah, it worked out really, really good. Okay, and for those people who don't know, what is a point? What are we talking about when you say there's three points or something like that? A percent interest on the overall deal. Okay, so, so like a $200,000 deal, one point would be $2,000. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. Bingo, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> make yeah. sure I did my math right there. <laughs> uh, all right, so so crowdfunding, kind of cool. And there's a lot of companies out there that do it. You know, I've read about them. I've, you know, talked to some of them, but I've never actually done it because I just, you know, 
I don't know. It makes me like, it's like a new thing. It's a new, that hasn't been around for a long time. So, I mean, do you recommend other investors should go out there and try that? Should they wait until they're more experienced to try it? Or do you think it's worth looking at it right away? I, I think you need to be more experienced. And, and I, I know for Fund That Flip, they want to make sure that you've done a deal or there's extenuating circumstances, you know, either that you're a contractor or something that you have some kind of experience before the lend. Um, I vetted them. I, I was a little nervous about it because here's this online site and I, I believe it was Jay Scott was on the board. So I went on to bigger pockets to say, Hey, who, what is this, uh, crowdfunding uh, site? And, you know, it gave me a little bit more confidence of who, who they are. Um, and so it worked out great. Right on. Cool. Cool. Um, so what price ranges are we talking about for these houses that you're buying? So we're buying in around 75 to 150, 200,000 range and then, and then, uh, resale at the, uh, two to 350. Okay. This might just showcase my ignorance here, but I didn't think like Massachusetts, when I think of properties there, I would just imagine like 800,000. He's, he's a Western mass. Big difference. difference. Okay. Big I difference. I didn't even know there yeah. was a Western. <laughs> yeah. It's rural out oh, there. Okay. A little bit different out there. Okay. There is a casino going into Springfield, so it's going to be on the map here soon. You're yeah. going to. Okay. I, and I, and I there's you. something like about basketball over there. I don't know. A guy that's named James Naismith. Was that the guy? Yeah. That's right. That's right. Something, basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah. And volleyball in that area too. So yeah. big, big area. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. So you're buying these properties for, you said like the 75 to 150, you're selling them in the two, would you say two to 250 or something like that range? Yeah. Yeah. About three, three, no, three, three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So th- those are good numbers. How much are you putting oh, yeah. into those kind of deals? I mean, how much work do they need? Uh, 40 to 60,000. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, forty, sixty thousand. Uh, uh, on the higher end is when we have a septic system. So uh, on the higher end, when you have to deal with septic, and you're 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 going to be looking at uh, at higher rehab costs. But uh, yeah, for the most part, that's that's about where we're going to be. Right okay. on. All right. All right. Very cool. So let me ask you this kind of last question about the, the process. Your partner is like the boots on the ground and he's a, you said he was like a general contractor. Is that right? Or something like right. that? All right. Yeah. So does he do the work himself? Is he hiring it out? Subs? How does the actual work get done? Uh, it's hired out. So, uh, and so this was kind of a learning piece for him too, because he did all his deals by doing all the work himself, but there's, it's really hard to go and continue to look at rehabs and it would just crush the flow of it. So yeah, he, he's, he's been hiring all that out and he's, he's done a great job of pulling together our A team of, uh, of subcontractors here to, to get these, these, uh, houses done. Okay. Okay. Very cool. cool. Very That's cool. Awesome. Right. Josh. No, I, I was going to say, you know, I mean, it's, it sounds like you've kind of put together a, a pretty cool process. I mean, running this company from 3000 miles away, um, can't be easy. Um, how, how many times a year are you going out again to visit? I go eight, eight to about eight times a year. Eight times a year. Okay. So, I mean, you're, that's a substantial amount. I mean, and, and your goal beyond meeting with your partner, are you scouting areas? Are you looking for new um, potential places to invest, uh, new markets, new farms, or, or what's kind of the, the idea there? Outside of uh, Massachusetts or, or that particular and, area? And, and where you're investing. Yeah, uh, we're looking to expand uh, to an, another county and then just pushing in a little bit into Connecticut uh, as well. So, Got yeah. it. And what is your long-term goal? Like, where are you planning heading with this business? You want to give it, buy more rental properties eventually or is it just to flip and make a ton of cash or what's, what's the long-term goal? 
for us to, so the, the flipping business is to, to make the cash and then we each have our, our, uh, portfolio of rentals. And so we want to build that for our, ourselves, um, our, our respective families to, to have, have those there. So the, uh, hopefully there's not too many of the failed flips that have to kind of fall into <laughs> the back that, that category. But yeah, that's where we, we see ourselves. This, this year is going to be really focused on getting a lot of our systems down, uh, and perfecting the single family, uh, flip. And then, and then the following years will be developing a rental portfolio for, for our, for that company there. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. Gotcha. Hey, uh, my last question, Bob. So your license, your license is in Massachusetts, correct? That's right. Okay. And uh, you were able to get your license in Massachusetts despite living in California? Correct. Did you need a physical address to do that or is that just... Oh, I used my uh, my parents' address in, in Massachusetts, uh, okay. and then uh, but I did take the, the the one in California first, and then they had like a semi reciprocal program over there. You still had to take the test, but uh, you didn't have to take the education part. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, oh, perfect. Cool. cool, cool. Well, this has been super super informative. I mean, like again, I I really want to do a lot of what you're doing. I want to pick up my flipping in the coming years, uh, and so and I know I can't do it all myself, so I know I'm going to have to bring on my partner and most likely it'll be my little brother because we work really well together. So it's been good. But before we get out of here, let's move over to the world-famous fire round. It's time for the fire round. Fire round. These questions come direct out of the Bigger Pockets forums, so we're going to throw them at you. Number one. Hmm, let's see. Uh, this is kind of a rental one. So I'm looking to buy a single family with a renter already in it. I have requested the payment records and the lease agreement. What else should I be looking for when I'm buying it? Uh, look at the uh, records of, of uh, any improvements uh, that were done over there. You know, if any, anything on the, the mechanicals, uh, the heating system, uh, any of the upgrades that were done to that property, I think taking a look at that yeah, on the rental side, I would just say that. I think that's missed actually a lot of times. I think people just, they kind of walk around, they maybe do their own inspection, but they don't ever find out, you know, what exactly the history of what's been going on here. What have you done the last few years? Maintenance that records. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I mean, not a lot of people, not everyone's going to keep them, but if you can get that, like, oh, the furnace was updated two years ago, or, Hey, the furnace hasn't been updated in 35 years. You know, like those are pretty important to know for long-term planning for a rental, especially. So great. All right. All right, what should somebody look for when uh, trying to find a partner to do do deals with? So if you, you know, knowing what you know today, if you were to start looking for a new partner to work with, uh, what would you, what'd you look for? Well, what worked out for Justin and me is that we were the pieces that each other were missing. So when we look back at our businesses, we were finding ourselves going through this pattern of hustling, hustling to find a house. Then you find a house and then you're hustling, hustling to get that thing out on the market. And then you're done. And now like, oh, crap, now you got to restart that marketing machine again and going. So for us, the way it worked out was I wasn't. I didn't have that expertise on, on the rehab side, but I felt that I was a pretty strong marker. I can keep that marketing machine moving all the way through as he's focusing on, on getting the houses to, to market, getting those rehab. Uh, so if you're going to look for a partner, don't look for someone that has the same skills as you do. Look for the, those missing skills. And I think that's what works great. And then, and then someone you get along with. I mean, we, it's, a. Uh, and was it um, Rockefeller that had that quote? It's a uh, friendship founded in business is better than a, a business founded on friendship. And we've developed our, our friendship through through the business because we were like minded, but uh, but brought different skills, complementary skills. 
Yeah, I love gotcha. it. It's gold. All right. Uh, what are some tips you would give someone to, to, who's trying to buy a property outside of their state? Boots on the ground. Okay. Uh, having someone, so, someone definitely there uh, that gets to really, really know know that area. Uh, so go there. Go travel there. Go in. You know, buy that plane ticket. Drive drive those streets. Uh, definitely something that that you you want to do. Perfect. Cool. Cool. What's the best type of neighbor? What are the best na- types of neighborhoods to look for when uh, looking for purchases? I, and that's really a tough question to answer. I'd say, what are the kinds of neighborhoods that you specifically look for in your uh, buying criteria? School districts. Uh, when, it, when it's got a good school district, I, I think that that's where that's where we want to be, anyways. Uh, so yeah, that's what we look for: good school districts, good communities, you know, uh, low crime, and and I think the good school districts and low crime are are going to come come together. Uh, so uh, that's what where we want to be. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. I love it. You know, I actually never really cared about school districts much until, uh, I don't know, was it four or five months ago? We had somebody <laughs> in the podcast talking about that because I never really thought about it, right? I don't have kids or I don't have kids yet. And so like, I, I never really thought it was a big deal. And then, yeah, we interviewed someone in the podcast. I was like, you know, that is a pretty big deal. People care about that kind of thing, apparently. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I did, did a ton of research in it. And now like, that's one of the main things I look for. But yeah, People before- will move a block away to, <laughs> to be in a good school district versus where they are. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. That's huge. All right. Well, cool. Well, hey, let's move on and wrap this thing up with the famous four. Famous four. These questions are asked of every single guest every single week. So you probably know what's coming. Uh, But number one, what is your favorite real estate related book? Millionaire real estate investor, Gary Keller. Awesome. Just finished that one a little while ago. And that really kind of helped uh, bring things into focus. And it was was timely for me because it's uh, as we're doing our 2016 operating plan that kind of brought really helped me uh, uh, figure out the pieces that I need to put in place and kind of forecast. And that yeah, was a great, great book. Okay. All right on. What about business books? Is there a favorite business book? Yeah. The, on the, the business book. So for 2015, for me, I was really focused on, on doing the, the direct mail and sales and negotiation. So I was looking for sales and negotiation books and Zig Ziglar's, uh, what was it is, uh, uh, secrets of, uh, no, uh, secrets in closing the sale was great. One, I think Zig Ziglar is fantastic. I yeah. mean, really just about the kind of ethically based, uh, selling and, and looking for those win-wins and, and, uh, you know, uh, it was, so that was a fantastic book for me. And then on the pro, if I can add another one on like the self-help or productivity side, I really enjoyed, uh, Miracle Morning. And that's really going uh, yeah. to help me develop, you know, get up early now and, you know, get my professional development set. And, and, uh, I'm feeling I'm much more productive, uh, these days. We've actually got Hal Elrod, the author scheduled to come on a bigger pockets podcast in like a month or two from now, something like that. So it's on the the schedule. So, and we've been uh, communicating. So yeah, we'll, we'll get him on the show and talk about more about that. Uh, That's a good one. Yeah. I love that book too. I love that book. Changed a lot of stuff for me. So cool. All right. Uh, let's see. Next question, Josh. All right, Bob. So what, what are your, hobbies what do you do for fun so i've got two young kids so for us it's uh, it's family and travel so uh i think that's that's fun i mean i used to have hobbies like golf and skiing and all that stuff but the uh you know to try to carve out five or six hours uh to, to go golfing that doesn't go uh very well over here so the uh 
so yeah, traveling with the family last, last year we did the cross country trip with the kids and to, to off to Massachusetts, uh, this past summer, we went off to Russia for a, a number of weeks. And oh, so wow. th- that's been a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, doing stuff with the, the family. Awesome. Cool. Cool. All right. My final question of the day, what do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail or never get started? I'll put it into the uh, not having the proper roadmap, and the, I use the roadmap as a, as an acronym MAP. So one the M mindset, just not having the the proper mindset. You were touching on this earlier of those that are not thinking about how they can do something, like you know they they quit on it. So I, I had a colonel that said, "Don't tell me what I can't do. Tell me how I can do it." And so having that mindset in this industry, you've got to practically will things to happen. Um, and then creating that environment for yourself, having being around supportive people. I've got a wildly supportive family. I've got a great business partner. Um, I surround myself with positive people that can get things done. Uh, so I, that, that's one. Abundance is, is, is the other, uh, the A part of it and just kind of giving back and, and wanting to, to, to give back and, and, and helping others. Uh, we've done that with, uh, the, the, our RIA, uh, that we started. And actually that was, that was born out of bigger pockets. It was on a forum and people were like, Where's there, where's there a meetup, uh, for real estate investors in Western Mass? And there wasn't one. So I, I answered that guy, let's start one ourselves. And then, nice. and then it went from there. So That's that great. was pretty cool. cool. Yeah. And then, uh, and then perseverance, you got to stick with it. And, and in particularly with the, uh, like direct mail. And a good example of that is, uh, last summer I was, I started a mail campaign. It started in June. Uh, this lady received four letters from us and, and it took her until, November before she responded. Uh, we get there in November, do the negotiation. It took another three months before she decided, uh, three months and it's giant snowstorm before she decided like, hey, I'm done. I, I, I'm ready to sell. You know, you got to hang in there. That was good, what, eight months, nine months before before that came to fruition. And I think a lot of people would have quit by then. And yeah. uh, so I think the, those are the, the three pieces. That's the, the roadmap. Cool, I like that. Cool. Not, I've yeah, not heard that. Uh, yeah. Cool. All right. Great. Awesome. Josh, last question. Yeah. Where can people find out more about you? You're, you're on Bigger Pockets. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. You can find me on Bigger Pockets, LinkedIn, or Bob at sc-homebuyers.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Bob, thank you so much for coming on, man. We really do appreciate it. And lots of luck as you uh, continue to build out your business. Oh, thanks. It's a real honor to be here. And uh, I like being here with you guys today. Thanks. Awesome. We'll thank see you, you around. Bye. All right, guys, big thanks to Bob for coming on the show. We really do appreciate it. Merry, Merry Christmas to you. Go be with your family. Get out of here. I'm Josh Dorkin. Signing off. Signing off. <laughs> You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We're sure that's not copyrighted. (laughs) (laughs) So bring us some figgy pudding and bring it right here. Isn't that what the song goes? It's such a demanding song. I don't know. Don't don't use that. (laughs) Okay.
Braving the real estate investing journey on your own can be daunting. Doubts tend to creep up and stifle your ambition. Is this actually a good deal? Did you run the numbers right? What if you can't find a tenant? Can you even afford this place? What if you lose your job? Whatever you're going through, we've all been there. And guess what? The best way to overcome your doubts and hesitations is with a healthy dose of knowledge, networking, and accountability. And that's just what you'll find in our newly released 2024 Summer Boot Camps. After these eight action-packed weeks of step-by-step guidance from expert investors, weekly video modules, live Q&As, interactive assignments, and new friends to keep you accountable, you'll be ready to tackle your first or next deal with full confidence and expertise. Choose from the small multifamily, short-term rental, or rookie boot camps and register by April 12th for the lowest prices. Head on over to biggerpockets.com slash enrollme today. That's biggerpockets.com slash enrollme. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.